Well, let's pray as we come now to God's word. Holy Spirit, you who have inspired this word are working in us as your people. And we pray that you would illuminate this word in our hearts and minds, help us to hear really well what you are saying and to respond with faith. Amen. Well, this week, while in lockdown, Ashley's been, my wife Ashley's been working really hard in our new raised garden beds. She's ordered, carried around, and then layered bags of various things for our garden beds. Cow manure, seaweed solution, rooster booster, molasses, cane sugar mulch, compost, potting mix, rock dust, and of course, mushroom compost. And as we came back from our walk the next morning, I looked at those amazing garden beds just waiting And the word that came straight to my mouth was the word potential. What potential is in those garden beds? It almost made me wish I was a seed. In a garden bed like that, the seeds can reach their full potential. Potential. In Bible college, I would see potential in students being developed in character and sharpened in their giftings with potential then to reach the lost and to bless churches. As I come to DPC from a Bible college background, I can't help but do the same, to see potential in those around me. And that's one of my key roles as a pastor. What's the potential here? Three congregations, our home groups, our families and individuals who want to grow in their love and knowledge of God, those of us, all of us who have a heart for the lost, how can I help them, you, keep growing? And what does growth look like? What is our potential? Well, the dream team that we formed, a vision team, made up of 12 women and men from three congregations, have shared ideas, areas in which they see potential. In the parable Jesus shares with us today, we are to pursue our potential. There's the point. We're to choose life and growth. Now, I'm not talking about spiritual, uh, physical health and wealth here. Some of us have severe health and relational and other challenges that limit us in significant ways. Some of us have been damaged and wounded and feel we are limping our way home with God alone propping us up. Our potential as individuals will look very different according to our circumstances. And yet, and yet, true blessedness and true prosperity and true fruitfulness are on offer to all of us in these images. This is a word for those coming to King Jesus, the one who turns tiny seeds into mighty, productive, supremely blessed plants, trees, mighty trees, testifying to the rays of his grace and his glorious power. How then can we grow? And we're talking about a Let's Grow campaign. How can we grow? How can we keep taking the best fork in the road? How can you and we together reach our potential? Not by accident. If it were, this parable wouldn't be here in Mark's gospel, let alone repeated in Matthew and Luke. It must be important. This message of 
being deliberate in pursuing growth and blessedness must be important. And of course, how to live well is the central question in life. We all live, but how do we live well? And this parable is here to help us. The Lord Jesus wants to say three things to us today as individuals and a church. In verses 1 to 9, it's as though Jesus is wanting to give us a story about life to capture us. That's what he's doing, verses 1 to 9. If you have a Bible with you, you'll benefit most as we look together at this text. In chapter 4, verse 1, again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered round him was so large that he got into a boat and sat in it out on the lake while all the people were along the shore at the water's edge. He taught them many things by parables and in his teaching said, Listen. Listen. This parable, verse 1 and verse 9, begins and ends with this call, Hear or listen. So before we go any further, I'd ask you to check yourself today. Are you listening? Are you ready with head and heart? Are you listening as someone who joined us through the low door today? Someone curious, hungry, thirsty, sick? Are you listening as one ready to learn from God when he addresses you? Because it will make all the difference in the world if you are. Verse 3, listen, listen, listen. Listen, 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 listen. Why do I say it ten times? Because Mark chapter 4 says listen ten times in this one chapter. Listen to what? Well, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, scenario one, some fell along the path and the birds came and ate it up. That seed never got out of the blocks its potential life snatched away before it began. The second scenario, verse 5, some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Again, disappointing. Potential not reached. Life not truly lived. In verse 7, the third scenario, the third story, isn't any better. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants, so that they did not bear grain. Again, potential lost. No harvest. Verse 8, still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, it grew and produced a crop. Some multiplying 30, some 60, some 100 times. Now, this is no trivial success for a farming and agricultural culture. The family can be fed. There's grain in the sack, food on the table. We live another year. This is a happy picture. Here is a plant, a life, and it's actually, and its life is actually fulfilling its potential in this last case. But then Jesus multiplies the gravity of this story when he adds so briefly at the end, verse 9. Then Jesus said, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. Well, let us hear what? It seems important, doesn't it? I hear the story, but what's so important that he would say, listen, and then conclude with whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. Hear what? I wonder what you think. What do you think? 
I guess this parable is sorting us out. Uh, What do you think? Who cares? Does it matter? Will we pursue the matter? If I'm coming to Jesus for physical healing or if I think I'm his judge or if I think he's only mildly relevant, I won't really care what he's getting at. I won't really listen. But if I recognize Jesus as Lord, I won't be able to sleep unless I know, until I know what this analogy, this comparison is getting at. Why is it so vital that I listen to this message? Do I have ears to hear? What must I learn from four seed and soil stories? Once the crowds have all gone, some of those teachable, curious ones emerge with those questions. Verses 10 to 12, we see that some will understand Jesus and some won't. So look at verse 10. When he was alone, the 12 and the others around him, like Jesus' true family at the end of chapter 3, if you have your Bibles open there, those, Jesus says, are my true mother and brother and sisters, are those in a circle around him listening to his words and doing what God says. Those around him asked him about the parables. He told them, the secret of the kingdom, verse 11, has been given to you. You're God's true spiritual family. And you know that I am the king of God's kingdom. Shh. The demons know it in Mark's gospel, chapter 1 and chapter 3. And the disciples are grasping it too. But Jesus is careful with this message. He doesn't want to be enthroned on a human throne. He doesn't want to cause a human rebellion. But they know who he is, and that seems vitally important to understanding his message. The secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. I'm that king. But to those on the outside, like those critiquing Jesus in chapter 3, 31 to 32, those last verses of chapter 3, everything is said in riddles so that for those who refuse to see Jesus as king, the Lord of glory, They may be ever seeing but never perceiving, verse 12, and ever hearing parables like this but never understanding their immense significance, underestimating them. For if they did perceive and understand, verse 12, otherwise they might turn and be forgiven. Like a cloud leading Israel out of Egypt, It provided light to Israel, but darkness to the rebellious Egyptians on the other side of the cloud. Jesus reveals less to his opponents than he does to his friends. As Jesus says later, to those who have, more will be given. The truth is here if you want it. But do you want it? In the case of those who don't really want it, blindness is added to their blindness. Pharaoh hardened his heart towards God, and God hardened Pharaoh's heart at the same time. The plagues being one form of judgment against Pharaoh, but this blindness, this hardness of heart, another form of judgment, and both thoroughly deserved. For those outside, judging and condemning Jesus, calling his work satanic, as we saw in the last chapter, or saying he's mad, well, they will see him as a mere man but they won't see his glory. Those who humbly hear him and listen to him will hear so much more. The fallen world around us has eyes, 
but they can't see that the miraculous in the creation, God's fingerprints all over creation, are indeed everywhere. They have eyes, but they won't see God when he's standing even right in front of them. So Jesus' instruction is profound. Listen. Hear God's voice in my words. I had a friend I was trying to persuade um, of, of Jesus' historicity. He called himself a rationalist. I only believe what's um, according to reason and knowledge. But he was grasping at straws when it came to Jesus. On the one hand, he was saying Jesus probably didn't live. But then he, on the other hand, he's saying, well, research shows, and I read an academic who said that Jesus not only didn't fully die, but he continued living and ma- married Mary Magdalene and had children. Now, as someone trying to listen to rational arguments, I'm saying, well, did he live or not? And if he didn't live, then how is he marrying and having kids? There are none so blind as those who will not see. And so Jesus' instruction is profound. Listen, hear God's voice in my words. Accept who I am and you'll understand the rest. Perhaps you'll finish this video and say, God has spoken to me today. God addressed me and I'm ready to take it fully on board. That's the kind of listener Scripture wants. Thirdly, verses 13 to 20. We want to be those who understand. We want to be those who hold on to what Jesus is saying. Look at Jesus' words in verse 13. Jesus said to them, Don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? All the parables are about him and who he is and about responding to this king and his message. Know who I am and things become clearer. Verse 14. The farmer sows the word. Some people, so this is about people, not about plants, souls like you and me. Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Satan is active against the interests of people. Before the word has a chance to take root, Satan takes it away. Something like that's going on in Mark chapter 8. When Peter rejects Jesus' words, Jesus replies with what? Get behind me, Satan. And I know this story resembles my life far too well. I hear truths of God's word every day and every week. How well am I responding to what I read yesterday or the sermon we heard last Sunday? Of course, God's word in many ways is like a meal. We're not meant to remember everything. We can't remember all of it all the time. But imagine the growth if we could retain more and take more on board and pray that God would, over time, use his word to make us more like Jesus. But there are three more really important categories. What about the seed on the rocky ground? Look at verse 16. Others like seed sown on rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. I wonder, are you ready for trouble and persecution? What if 
going to church starts to feel too hard for your family? What if Zoom is awkward or someone from church offends you? What if you don't feel welcome? You don't feel loved? What if you just have a year that, in which your life falls apart through sickness or death or grieving or loneliness or perhaps all of those things together? Are you ready for a year like that? In verse 17, we see that plants that send down roots are more ready for trials. And it's why at DPC we want to have a very special interest in those who are visiting, in newcomers, being integrated and cared for. We want to give inquirers every human excuse to hear Jesus' words clearly and to hear them again and for them to be around us as witnesses for longer. What about the next seed, the seed among the thorns? I feel like this is not only our biggest potential threat, I feel like this is describing us far too well. Look at verse 18. Still others, like seed sown among thorns, hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Worries of this life, deceitfulness of wealth, secondly, desires for other things, thirdly. They don't seem like a shocking sin or vice list, do they? They seem to be pretty normal in the life that we live. Or is it just me? Notice how common these things are, the worries of this life, Who of us is not constantly drawn into the worries of this life? Have you been consumed for months by COVID? Dependent on daily updates? Stressed perhaps by your work situation? Perhaps you never think of such ordinary and in some ways natural things as alternatives to minds that are given to Jesus himself. But are they not alternatives to be things dominating our minds? Our worries will rob us of the life and peace of Jesus. If we're mastered by worry, then we're not mastered by Jesus, strong and kind. A diet of news and Netflix, of whatever's on our screens, the world and its concerns, those things will guarantee spiritual anemia. And as Jill follows Jack down the hill, so we can expect mental health problems will follow spiritual health problems. There is a strong and kind balm. What about the next phrase? The deceitfulness of wealth. Daily bank balance and stock market checks, real estate checks. Anyone might think that life was tied to the abundance of our possessions, perhaps by our habits. A more, more, more mentality will mean less, less, less Christian growth and fruitfulness. A Christian with potential, but merely potential. Well, if $4 buys you a cup of coffee, $4 plus potential buys you the same cup of coffee. Potential is worth nothing in itself. A tragic misuse of a Christian life that belongs to God and could have thrived and glorified God 
immensely. Misused. Fool's gold stored up year after year in enormous barns instead of gathering the real gold the whole time. Fishes of men fishing only for fish. What about the, own, the other threat to our potential? Verse 19, desires for other things. In other words, covetousness. That too is a real threat. I find this a constant battle. Uh, I was praying while going for a walk this week and I noticed I was getting distracted by the beautiful houses and amazing cars around me in this area. And I confessed to God, Lord, you didn't send me to Des Moines to covet the possessions of its residents. You sent me here to preach your glorious gospel. Forgive me and help me. Friends, what's your poison? What's your poison? We can't be healthy if we aren't aware of what's poisoning us day by day. What are the other things that you are desiring unduly? When you get bored or unsettled or depressed, what are your unhealthy go-tos? What do you long for to be content? And how might God instead kindly fill you if only you went to him? Seeking first his kingdom requires killing first the alternatives, leaving you with Jesus himself, free at last. For me, gratitude is the powerful weapon I use to replace longings that shouldn't be there. I list what I'm thankful for in the back of a journal and I look at that list regularly and I read it when unhealthy longings start competing with Christ and his goodness to me. How we spend our nights, our rest days, our lockdown says a lot about us. Why is it that a lifestyle website or magazine excites us more than a missionary update? Why is God not our favourite go-to when we have a day off? The humble are confronted and corrected by these false desires so that we're ready, if we're listening, to desire true prosperity, to live out our true potential. Draw it, print it, write it out, whatever, but may the image of verse 20 shape the rest of your days. Verse 20, others like seed sown on good soil Hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop. Some 30, some 60, some some 100 times what was sown. Here the seed's potential is wonderfully matched by the reality, the story. Your story, potentially. All the deathly alternatives are eliminated, leaving you free to hear and accept and produce. Jesus is offering you today that prosperous life by telling you how to make it so. Yes, we're saved by grace. The gospel saves us from sin. But the gospel also leads us out of sin. Yes, the gospel itself, faith in Jesus makes us holy. But the gospel also leads us into further holiness. The disciples' potential, the church's potential, becomes our life, becomes our story. 
when I arrived at this church, I shared at the time, just after ScoMo, Scott Morrison had uh, responded to the initial pandemic. And he said his priority was jobs, jobs, jobs. And I said that my deep interest coming to Des Moines would be disciples, disciples, disciples. People who hear, accept and produce crops that seem out of all proportion to that which is sown. A harvest that when we look back from the vantage point of eternity, we will see a harvest beyond belief. And I'm so encouraged by the disciples at DPC. Our story seems ordinary to the human eye, but it's anything but. We might say in glory, looking back, well, I was just praying for DY. I had no idea how you'd use it. I was just seeking to be a faithful home group leader. I was just reading my Bible because I knew I needed it. I was just generous because I knew money tries to master me. I was just calling around the church friends through lockdown because I I cared for them. I just kept prioritizing church because I sensed you, Lord Jesus, were being honored by that. I just kept trying to raise my kids in the Lord's ways because I knew they needed you. And before we know it, these spirit-giving, seemingly spirit-given, seemingly ordinary impulses acted upon, I was just, I was just, I was just, turns into 30, 60, 100 times what was sown. In DPC, Satan is daily resisted and the Lord Jesus is daily embraced. Listen. Friends, are you listening? Will you heed the voice of your strong and kind king? You're at a fork in the road. Two very different versions of your life begin today. Choose the plant you will be. Choose how much you will turn potential spiritual fruitfulness into the real thing. Choose how earnest you will be, disciples of Jesus. He who has ears to hear, let them hear. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, you are our Lord, and we confess we are so easily distracted lured away by lesser things. We call you our Lord and we want to treat you as our Lord. We thank you that you're our saviour, that our works don't save us. But we also thank you for the blessing of good works and the blessedness that comes through doing them, that we can be like a tree planted by streams of water and that you will use our lives for your glory. And so we pray that we would be earnest as your disciples. In Jesus' name, amen.